When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, only seen here out of Indie Music TV. Abe, we got you busy today, bro. Hitting off to 2024 with Ahmad Johnson, and now we've got the great Chick Donovan in the house. No, it's great. Let's start off strong. Chick Donovan, how are you, sir? Thank you for joining Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro. How are you, sir? Well, thank you very much for having me. It's quite an honor to be here. But uh, tell you, without without my wife, Miss Pat, I don't think this would ever be possible because she's the IT person in the family. She's uh, had a little education in how to set all these things up and uh, depend on her a lot to have that done. And she did a great job to get us in communication today. How long have you Another and Pat? Job. How long have you and Pat been married, sir? Uh, that's a good question. It's been a long time. Since we've been together since around the uh, 90s, somewhere in that late 90s, I think. It's been a long time. Well, she seems like a a wonderful lady. I've I've only been texting with her, but she seems to be very nice. Chick? She is very nice. She's a front runner in the community. Uh, uh, She has a lot of friends that look up to her. She's a leader of of, of her groups. uh, In fact, she had a nightclub at one time and uh, did quite successful with it. Very nice. And, And how did you guys meet? Well, we met at uh, I think we met at a club somewhere, and that uh, whatever the name of it was. And uh, she uh, actually uh, started drinking my glass of water. I never drink drink when I go out, just water. But she was drinking my glass of water, and I said, "Please, man, uh, I think you got my glass of water." But uh, it kind of started the conversation, and uh, I guess uh, twenty whatever years later or longer, it's uh, we're here today. <laughs> Over a glass of water, not too Over bad. A glass of water. Yes, sir. Very nice. <laughs> Chick, I was saying before you, uh, before we went on air, boy, you got a hell of a head of hair, man. I don't know how you do it. You're like a genetic freak. Well, thank you very much. 
you know, if you had it, you wouldn't like it, but it's, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. But my granddad had a full head of hair. My dad had a full head of hair. I think all through my, my relatives are always had thick hair, so I was blessed with it. Or first with it. I don't know what it's But you're talking about 144 strokes of a brush a day, it probably gets to 244 to keep it in place. You know? I go play golf and just blow each other away. It's a big mess, but uh, but you know I enjoy it. It's been my it's kind of been my uh, uh, it's it's been my uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's been my uh, my symbol. That's not what I'm trying to think. Not like my your trademark of my my trademark. Yes, I'm looking for my trademark for my for my business for, for the wrestling and uh, and uh, I've enjoyed it. Uh, and it's, you know. It covers my head when it's cold out. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I, if, 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 if you believe in reincarnation, um, I want to come back with a guy who has a head of hair because, boy, I lost mine when I was young, so it's a little rough out there. Yeah, I, I, uh, I like it very well. You know, I, I've gotten used to it now, of course, all so many years, but I've let it grow a little longer now just to see how it's going to be. But uh, it's always a work in progress. It's always a always, a lot of work, but anything you ever do, anything you accomplish in life, is a lot of work. And, uh, yeah, that's if you don't mind sure. working, you can accomplish it. That's it. That's good. You know what? I'm going to steal that from you. I like that. You so, Chick, I, I want to thank. Other, yes, sir. I want to thank you for joining us. Um, quick question before we start off: Are you actively trying to become the oldest pro active pro wrestler in the history of the world? As far as I know, I am the oldest active, active uh, wrestler. Now, some of the uh, some of the things I've seen on the internet would have said he's been gone away, he's making a comeback, he's been seemingly retired, but I have never stopped in this almost 50 years of wrestling. I've been going almost every weekend through all these years. And uh, I was on the road with WCW, WWF, uh, and all these other independent companies and just traveling, uh, you know, all over. Uh, now I still go to New York when I come to your place. And Rhode Island, I was not too long ago. Uh, uh, Kentucky, you know, the the uh, Ohio area, and we go up there frequently. So it's a uh, and you know Japan, Middle East. I've been around quite a while. Made a lot of stops all over the world, like Ricky Nelson said in his song. You know, what did you think of the Nature Boy Ric Flair's comeback? What, being that you're in such great shape, and I'm not saying Flair isn't. What did you think of that comeback? Well, I think you, if you're not if you're not mentally finished, uh, you're going to come back. Uh, so he felt like he could uh, come back for another another run. Uh, and, uh, I haven't seen any of his work since he's come back, but uh, I'm sure he's doing a great job. But he was the best the best ever. Uh, I don't know of anybody else that uh, that can even come to close to being Ric Flair. Uh, he was Mr. NWA, Mr. 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 Everything to wrestling. He, he, He's one that brought wrestling up to the point where he is today. I mean, he and a few other guys, like Mr. Wrestling Number Two, and uh, old Lee Anderson, his brother, and uh, a few other guys. But uh, Flair was uh, Flair was uh, is the man. He'll always be the man. Me, I, I admire him, and all the other boys admire him greatly. He used to go run hour matches every night in all the different territories. I mean, he was a wrestler. He was a wrestler's wrestler. I guarantee you, Flair was just an incredible individual. How many times I never partied with him. You know, I never partied with him, but uh, I couldn't keep up with him in that, but I could keep up with him in the ring. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, how many times did you get a chance to square off against Flair in the squared circle? Well, it's kind of a funny story. I, 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 Dusty Rhodes wanted me to do a little something I didn't want to do, so he put me with Flair in a match, TV match, and uh, 
he was trying to actually kill me off in a way, but uh, he was commentating and. Uh, but that was actually that match kind of put me over. It got my career over, I think. It was a great match. We never even spoke a word. We just went out and worked, and uh, just followed one. He just followed me like a, like a glove, and uh, it was a great match. It's on your it's on your phone now. People, I don't know how many million views it's had, but uh, it's one of my uh, I think it's one of, one of my sacred. I don't know what it was sacred be uh, the word, but this one of my favorite matches I think of all time. One of the matches I really. Uh, because uh, I really respect him so highly that I was able to be able to work with him just for the crowd. You mentioned Dusty Rhodes. How did you like working for Dusty as a booker? Dusty was probably the smartest guy. He and uh, he and one other guy, probably the smartest guys ever in the, in, in the wrestling business, I think. Uh, he was over from the day he started to the day he died. He was over. Uh, he, he was such a talker, maybe not a great athlete, but such a great talker in the ring. But uh, he made wrestling. Uh, he brought wrestling a long way through the years, from, from uh, Tampa all through the all through the continent, uh, USA, and, and around the world. Actually, but uh, he was a great, just a, a great entertainer. I think uh, not a great wrestler, but a great entertainer. And he was over. Everybody loved him, and uh, he was such a. Uh, full life kind of guy and I get funky like a monkey and all the other things he used to say. And, uh, he was just in his work in the ring, man. He, he worked with all the greats, uh, you know, couldn't go wrong working with Harley Race, working with uh, Terry Funk, working with all those great guys. And man, he just, uh, he had the cream of the crop of the guys he worked with because he was a boss man. But uh, we always got along well until one day I didn't want to do something and I, I kind of left. And, uh, that was probably my biggest mistake in my career. Are you able to share what you didn't want to do? Sir? Are you well, I had some, no, I wanted to. No, I, it was something he wanted to do on the TV. But uh, I had, well, I was in Hawaii working with Rock and his family. And uh, not the Rock, but Rock was a kid at the time. But working with Rocky Johnson and that group. And we had a, a big thing, a lot of things going in Hawaii. And the TV goes real strong in Hawaii from the TVS does. So it was something he wanted me to do. I didn't want to do it. So. I walked out that morning, and like I said, I probably should have went in and done it anyway. But uh, uh, it's one of the regrets I have in wrestling that uh, I, I didn't follow through with that. Uh, probably cost me a, cost me some of my career down the road because he never would talk to me again. Wow. But uh, he was commentating that match with Flair just to try to put me down a little bit, but uh, actually got me over. So uh, thank God for small favors, I guess. So, Chick, you know, I'm just a fan, obviously. Um, and what, what I always believed that made a wrestler were Mike skills, Matt skills, and obviously the it factor, right? The look, how the fans react to you. Um, as this famous wrestler you are, what do you think is the most important thing a wrestler needs to get into the ring to make themselves, uh, you know, more popular than others? If you want to accomplish anything, it takes work. It's uh, like hitting golf balls or whatever it may be. It just takes lots and lots of work from people who know what to who know what to tell you to do and how to do, and and for you to listen and retain what you've been told, and just repeatedly do over and over for hours and hours. Drop kicks, this out, uh, taking bumps, uh, getting used to all the different things you need to do in a ring, just all the different holes. Hours and hours of arm drags, hours and hours of all these different kind of moves, learn how to lock, really learn how to lock up. It's the number one hot spot in the match. Guys think all these other stuff are big hot spots, but the lock up is the most important. 
I think that sets the stage for the for, for the whole match. Because you'd see you really like a boom, athletic ringside, and that guy saying, that's he's going to do something. I look at it, he's going to do something. You watch this, this, this stuff's good, man. When you just lock up that first, that first thing, the, the, the entrance and the exit is the two most important things, I think, in entertainment. So, Chick, you obviously had a great look. Um, you certainly could wrestle. Uh, what did you think of your mic skills as a wrestler? Well, I think it uh, – I did one interview I wish I could take back. It was – I was trying to be a heel in it, and uh, it wasn't very good. I, I still regret that same interview today. It was one in Memphis I did when I had uh, was able to uh, – to beat Rocky Johnson, the one, uh, uh, the Rock's father. But I did an interview about him, and I should have, now that I think it back, it was not very good. I should have done a lot better. I should have put him over stronger and whatever. But uh, it's a learning process. You know, Everything you do is always a learning process. But my skill as an interviewer, probably C. I think maybe C plus. So I tried to be have a little color to the interviews. By the time I got the color done, the point was over. It was, the interview was over. So... Sometimes I missed a point, so I, I give myself a C plus maybe sometimes. Now it's a little better. Uh, you know, wires are been around longer, and uh, so it's a lot better now than it, I think it was at one time. But I still had to give myself maybe a C plus to a B, to be honest with myself. And how about your look? A plus. I knew you were going to say that. A++. A++. You know, I heard a podcast uh, once about me, and uh, it kind of hurt my feelings, but it was right on. It was right spot on. So I I can be a little transparent here, but uh, I had a great look, but I didn't have anything between the ears. And that bothered you, huh? Things around, around the business had my attention more than the point point I want to make right now to the kids and, and to their future is about the point. Stay on point. When you let the jump, the street corner, whatever it is, uh, run your life, then you miss that point. And your opportunities come by and you miss those, you miss those opportunities. I missed $2 million opportunities because the, the jump really had me and I was just going through motions through Japan, different places. I never took the point serious enough. I went through the motions but it just wasn't, it wasn't where it should have been. And my mind wasn't where it should have been. I didn't develop. I didn't really develop mentally uh, as well as I did physically, I think. Uh, and, and that's because I think other things kind of held me back a little bit. Uh, so my career was probably, uh, could have been a lot better if I had a little bit been a little smarter between the years. Well, you know, and I appreciate you sharing that, Chick. I mean, that's uh, candid, but... One thing as a fan, I could tell you, uh, I'm a New York guy, right? So I grew up on the WWF, right? And then mm-hmm. when Cable came out, obviously Georgia Championship Wrestling, yes, everybody knew who Chick Donovan is. So I don't, you know, again, you know, I don't want to. I don't think you should sell yourself short. You know, uh, you're you're a huge name in the sport. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I do a lot of. Uh... Acknowledgement from different places I go, different cities, whatever I may be doing. People saw me pictures and whatever, so it's kind of cool that uh, you've been able to uh, been able to affect people's lives. I've got a fan. I get a lot of fan mail from all over the world. One was from a 14 year old boy. I like to uh, say something about he he was fixing to give up life and school. Well, give up no time, don't know. 
people to that point of, of the Bonerics. But, uh, but he was fixing to give up everything. But he said, through watching my matches, he learned to never give up. So that was to me was so incredible that you never know who you who you're affecting by what you do. So always do everything positive as best you can, and always have a positive word and never anything nothing nothing ugly, and always try to keep that smile on your face because you don't know who's affecting. It could be this kid, maybe you know, a thousand miles away from where I was, but still had an effect on him. So, and, and uh, you get a lot of those type of stories in fan mails, and so it's you know it's. Always be as positive as you can and work hard to, and to, to, to pay back what people give you. you got to pay it back to the fans. So they're the ones who make it. They tell you how great you are. They put you on pedestal. So I think it's your, your, your job to go to the gym, train, look good, and, and do a good job for those fans to pay it back. Pay it forward. So, Chick, I love your attitude. I love, I love the statements you're making. Clearly, um, maybe, you know, your parents had a lot to do with this and the, just your attitude. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your parents? Yes, sir, I sure can. Uh, my mom, dad, uh, were married. She was 19. I think he was like 21. He was in the, he was in the Air Force. He met her while he was in the Air Force. And uh, she had gone to college with Billy Graham. She was a graduate of... Uh, Minneapolis, one of the colleges, the Bible College in Minneapolis. And my dad lived for the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, we had Bible study before before uh, before we went to bed at night. We had scripture before we ate dinner. But he lived he lived the life of the Lord, and he died on Christmas Day, which was a glorious day. He got the, the gift of eternal life on that day. And uh, but anything I ever needed through life, you know, I wanted to play football, so I started playing football in '54. She bought me a helmet, but he didn't have a face mask on any of them. Another helmet. But anyway, uh, through the years, if I wanted to play golf, he got me some old golf clubs. He got me some weights. Started me lifting weights. Uh, I guess in 1958 in my bedroom, of course. Uh, those weights are still in that fire station where I was at in Macon. But everything I needed, he was always there. He was on. He was at either road game or and put all my football games. He was there on all the road games. I don't, I don't really afford that those trips, but he was every home every home game. He was always there, but he was always there and, and uh, to 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 put us in a, in a good direction. And that belt was in that drawer. I can still remember seeing. I can still see that belt in that drawer right now. And boy, I got it lots of times too because I was a little mischief. Uh, but uh, he. he uh, he kept us pretty straight and, and straight and narrow. But, uh, now we we had our own. We drifted away at one time, but you always come back to those that way you were raised. I think you always end up coming back because you know that's after going through all the negative stuff. You know that was the right way, to, the right thing to do is come back to where you were raised, and that's the real deal. That's the real real deal. Uh, it is. Chick, what did your father and mother say when you decided to become a pro wrestler, and how did you decide to become a pro wrestler? Well, I, even before then, I heard, I'll get back to that question in a second, but I heard a lot from different people uh, close by. I wanted to visit 75, so I'm going to be a wrestler. You can't be a wrestler, man. Somebody else said, you can't be a wrestler, man. You can't do that. You can't do that. And I get to a point. But 50 years later, now I'm going to book as the oldest, oldest professional wrestler in the business. But you can do it. Kids can do it. You can do anything you want to do if you want to do it bad enough. If you're willing to work for it, you can accomplish it. Now, to go back to what your mom and dad said, tell me, ask you that question again, please. 
What did your mom and dad say when you said, hey, because obviously you're tra- oh. weight training, he's, he's into you playing football, and then right. you're going to turn a script on him and say, hey, dad, I want to be a pro wrestler. Yeah, my dad went to the matches with me in Augusta and different, you know, around different places. He was at a lot of the matches. My mom didn't go but once or twice. She Bill Hart tournament in Augusta and a couple of big, big shows. But uh, she always, that's my son down there. That's my son. And she, oh, she couldn't watch. She was getting the heat on me. She couldn't watch his boys. My my grandpa came to visit me, the original Chick Donovan. He was the boxer. That's how he got the name Chick. But his middle name was Donovan, like mine. And, uh. But he said, Jackie, uh, he can take care of himself. Jackie, don't worry, he'll take care of himself. So that was pretty cool to have my granddad come from Baltimore. And I was able to get booked in Baltimore and went the same right before he passed away. But he, he always come to, came to visit me uh, even before I got into wrestling. Uh, I worked in, in Macon, Georgia. He'd come to visit and, and far away from Baltimore. And we, he was, we were always pretty close. But I got to visit with him uh, right before he passed away there in Baltimore when I looked at the auditorium. Uh, uh, but he uh, he was a he was a big fan, I think. Like he loved me using his name, Chick Nolan. I think he liked that. I think he was like, really, really proud of that fact. And wrestling number two in a dressing room in Columbus, Georgia, gave me the name Golden Boy, so I should use the name Golden Boy. I wore the gold trunks, and every time I had trunks out, you know, I always like to dress to tease. Uh, wherever I go, I was always dressed. So I always wore the gold shoe, gold shoe strings with gold boots, or if I had on purple trunk, that purple shoe string, whatever. But that night I had gold and gold, and uh, I was just maybe still at the fire department, but I started had my hair blonde at that time. Uh, I was making that transition from the fire department back to full-time to wrestling. And uh, he said, you should be the golden boy. So ever since that time, I've been uh, been working on how to be the golden boy, how to carry the care of the golden boy. To, how to do the, how to be a golden boy. So I've been working on that. It's a, it's a work in progress. You know, I, you know, I like to lead by example. I certainly get to the gym a couple of times a day. I, I try to lead example wherever I go in my dress, the way you talk, uh, keep that smile on your face, and uh, always be a, a positive example to everyone around you. Because you never know, it might be the last conversation you have. They were here. So you got to be real careful about you know those things. I think that type of stuff. I always keep that smile. A smile that can, can save a life. What's your workouts like now at, at your age? Uh, you still lift like lightweight, heavyweight? I mean, what what are you doing? Well, I go to the max. I, you know, I don't lift the weight I used to lift by him. I'm almost seventy-seven, so I, I don't lift the weight I did when I was forty-seven. But I still go to the max. I I, uh, I try to do as much as I can. Without, without injuring myself, within, mm-hmm. within limits. I know my limits, you know, I know what to do, when to hold them and to fold them. Uh, so I try to do a lot of stuff that, uh, maybe three or four exercises all into one set. A lot of supersetting, uh, uh, I try to do a, a, lot, of, a lot of cardio, anaerobic, anaerobic exercises with the cardio uh, built into it. Like doing boom, 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 and, uh, and keep that heart rate up. And that's the way I do my cardio type thing. Plus, treadmill or whatever, but uh, my workout, so I, I try to pick out body parts, so like chest, shoulders, tricep, one workout, back, biceps, and that's where I went as a personal trainer, that's how I teach them. Details, I, everything has to have details. And you can't have nothing without a detail for it, to, for it to work out properly, I think. Especially in my training, my, when I get training classes. Everything is detailed. Amazing. 
The Iron Claw movie on the Von Erichs have just come out uh, in earlier December. Um, I know you. I know you had a run in that area. Did you have any experiences with Fritz or the boys? Yes, sir. I had uh, experience with every one of them. Uh, I went to see that one of the fellows I, I trained at the gym. He wanted me to go with him to the show, so I went with him and his family. Went over to and saw that movie the other night. Uh, but I was there at the time with Fritz, and it was it, we couldn't go out on the street. It was so popular that you'd get, you'd get mobbed. You couldn't go to Walmart. It would just pull you down. Uh, they'd come to your house at 2 in the morning and want autographs and stuff, you know, but you have to be careful where you go. But the, the, the Von Eric boys were well, they were athletes, brother. They were all great athletes. Uh, David passed away in Japan. We had that big show for him uh, at the Texas Stadium. 60 some odd thousand people there. It was quite a show. Right in the middle of their state, the stadium was hot that day, too. But, uh, but Von X was a, a family who had so much that I don't think any, I don't think any, nothing had value. Uh, that's the reason I, I think they all took their own lives because nothing really had value. They had one situation after another that uh, felt that they just, uh, they just all committed suicide, except for Kevin, the one in white next to Carrie there. He was probably the most intelligent of them all. He was uh, he was the mainstay. Of, he was the mental one of all. Because I was in Japan with Kerry, and I know Kerry well. He was, you know, quite a character. All the kids were characters as well. I remember one day Mike tried to walk out of the airplane while it was underway. Uh, tried to open the door. The steward just sent him back down. He wanted to go see David. I mean, that's the kind of mentality I was so. Wait a minute. I want to make that clear again. You were in flight, and he wanted to jump out of the plane. He went to open the door of the plane to go see David. Wow. At which he passed away. So you said I, you I guess that was, he was in such a stupor. I, I guess that's what his intent was, to go see David. That's the only thing I could think of, opening the plane door to walk out. But he had to be stopped and go be escorted back to his seat. He didn't realize he had even done it, I don't think. But, well, uh, you said you saw the movie. Did you feel that was a good depiction of Fritz and the way he treated the boys, or did you think it was? Like, well, tell me your thoughts of the movie. I was hoping you didn't ask me that question. I, I don't like to be negative, but I think it could have been the timeline wasn't very good, and they mentioned that in a, in a disclaimer in the beginning. I think the timeline could be off. They may have should have had one of the boys directing. They should have had Kevin directing that film. I think it would have been it would have been a lot better. But the characters would have been a lot better. The characters were very weak. It was only one of the boys they they pictured as with that looked like one of them. Uh, Fritz, the character they used for Fritz, looked pretty. He looked pretty close to Fritz. But the boys looked horrible, I thought. And then Flair, they did a shot on Flair because we had him at Texas Stadium. And uh, I don't know how they could have got anybody worse than the guy they used for Flair. Uh, just the look of him was just horrible. So overall, I'd probably rated it a four. Because it could have been directed a lot better, I think. The timeline could have been better if they had one of the boys, Kevin. I think Kevin, because he's one, he one of the brothers, he would have known exactly the timeline. Kevin lost, Kerry lost his leg the same time that Mike passed away when Chris, that even show Chris was the youngest one. He used to drive me and, and Pebbles around in my van to different shows and stuff when he was 12 years old. When he got in the business, and he, 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 he killed himself as well. They didn't even show him at all on there. 
But the timeline was all kind of was crazy and whatever. So I just think it should have Kevin. It's like a, it's like somebody wanting to run wrestling and they, they want to do it themselves and they ain't got a clue. They don't get one of the boys who know how to do it to do it. They want to do it themselves because they think they're smart. I call them smart marks. They think they're real smart to the business, but they really don't have a clue. So they try to do it themselves and they fail in about three weeks. So they use up all their money and, and just, it doesn't work because they don't yep. have the knowledge to make it work. I'm glad you said that shit because as a fan, and I'm a big Von Eric guy, I felt they should have focused more on the family dynamic and a lot less on the wrestling. Um, I didn't understand why they felt it necessary to have Ric Flair and Harley Race do the promo for five or eight minutes. Um, I thought there was way too much wrestling, and it was a really heart-wrenching story they could have told right there. Um, I want to bring it right back to you, though. In your dealings with Fritz, did Fritz drive those kids to to the situation they ended up turning to, or was it them? Well, Fritz made it possible by the means he provided for them. When you got more means and too much time, it's not a good combination. When you're doing a lot of, you know, when you're on the negative side, of, uh, when you're on the negative side doing stuff, I guess. But they, you know, Carrie always worked out hard and whatever, but they were always kind of just in, in another world, I think. But it, I think still they didn't have the value. Now, Kevin was a really good guy. Now, I, my wife and I at the time were taking care of, uh, of a, a young girl and a baby in, in Dallas. They were living with us and we were trying to help them out because she was homeless. And uh, Kevin even gave her a job in the matches, which I thought was really nice. This is Kevin you're looking at right here. Somebody told me he was here on a car accident going home from a, a show when I, I saw him on TV the other night but, uh, at his age now. So apparently that wasn't it wasn't true. But I just think he should have been the one to, uh, to direct that movie. But I think it would have been a lot better. I was just really disappointed after, you know, after being there for so long with those guys and knowing them so well, I was just kind of disappointed in, in, in the movie itself. Let me ask you this. You obviously live a very clean, healthy life, still great shape. As a wrestler, and you had to be involved, you know, again, as a fan, WCCW, you know, just like in the 80s, drugs are rampant throughout sports in general. Forget about just wrestling. But were you ever concerned for yourself that you were going to be in a situation with maybe a wrestler who was high during the match? Well, I've been there with that situation. And I didn't know. I found out later that it was that situation. I don't know if I want to mention any names or not. But uh, I'd have to give uh, one guy the, the, to smarten me up. It's the cocaine, for instance, uh, Jake Roberts. A year and a half prior to meeting him in Miami that night, I had a match with Piper. Uh, I worked with him in Louisiana. He was on top. I mean, one of the greatest talents ever. Jake Roberts, one of the greatest talents ever. Talker, work, ring work, the whole ball whack, one of the greatest ever. But he had such a habit with that stuff that in a year and a half, he had lost everything. Uh, so he was kind of, he didn't even know it, but he kind of, he, he got, you know, to, you know, he kind of helped me out in that respect, in, in, in that respect. That uh, just to stay away from that stuff because I knew, you know, I'd fall in the same boat he was. I'd probably like it too, I would think. But uh, but he kept me from ever even getting into that mess. I had my other demons, but I didn't have one with that. That was, that was for sure. Now, you asked me a question, I probably forgot what it was. Now you know, but, uh, what was that? We got 
Were you yes. ever concerned that you were in a match with wrestlers that were high and maybe worried about your own well-being? Okay. Uh, I always wonder why Roddy Piper, and not he's not in around anymore, so how he was so, oh, 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 he was just so, even on TV when he did his interviews, he, he was so energetic. And uh, one night in the dressing room, Bob Armstrong was talking about having a match with Roddy. Roddy came to him and said, you know, you use some of this little stuff I had so you can be on the same, same page I'm on. So I didn't realize Roddy was on, you know, doing all that. But uh, and I felt it in the ring. But it was, it was nothing nothing out of place in the ring. We had a pretty good little match was there in Miami. I was there as Mr. Mr. Whatever, Mr. Miami or something. Other. But uh, that's the only time I know of that somebody was really, really high on because I could just feel the intensity that he was under. But other than that, to my knowledge, I don't know. You never know. Uh, you just have to always be be careful of uh, being able to take care of yourself. Somebody wants to shoot on you, may get you know shoot on you, or whatever, try to hurt you. You got to be ready to take care of yourself, brother, because that can happen as well. Uh, somebody give you big potato sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you should have moved, boy. You know whatever, but uh, but I've never got to. Well, I got in a big fight in the in the ring once with Mondo Guerrero. Yeah, I was having a good time. I was young in the business. We were in uh, San Jose, California. Uh, had a little match, and then all of a sudden, we started out, started out boxing. I, I, every time I hit him, I cut his face open. He, he broke my nose. He was having fun. He, then he tried to pull my eyes out. And when he tried to get my eyes out, you know, he's got must be kind of serious, but he cut my eyes up. Anyway, he was all cut up. Man. But that was kind of a serious fight. You know? and that's the only time I really had a what had a situation there. If I'd have been smart, I would have probably left early before that this happened because it's just no place for it. And, uh, what's the what's business. the conversation like in the locker room after like when something like that happens? You know, I, I don't know. I never saw him again. <laughs> I never saw him in the dressing room. I don't know. You know, I sometimes I don't see who I'm working with in the dressing room. They go out. I say, kid, just follow me. And they, if they follow me, we have a good match. If we don't, it ain't so good. But as long as they follow me, I can can make them look like a million bucks. I can make them look great. And that's my job to take the youngster and, and leave, make a real, and let him feel what a real match feels like and, and to make him feel good about himself and about his wrestling ability. He may not be as good as I make him look, but uh, I try my best. As long as he can follow me, I can get him there. But if they can't follow me, it's time to go home. It's time to finish. You know, if you don't know nothing else, it's time to get, I ain't going to do all the stuff they see on TV, brother. My life's in my my life's in his hands. Then when, he, mm. when he's out of knowledge, so it's time to it's time to take it to the house or time to time to finish the match. I take take it home or whatever. How we gonna put it? Not just take it home, go to the house or whatever. But it's time to get out of there when he's done. And, uh, how did you like working with uh, the Freebirds and Michael Hayes? How were they? I think Michael Hayes broke. Guy's neck twice, dropped him on his head a couple of times. Uh, Michael, he's one of the great wrestlers, but Terry Gordy was, and Buddy Roberts were incredible, incredible wrestlers. Uh, <clears throat> guy right there with the glass, on the right there, mm -hmm. he started when he was 15 years old. He's just a master in the ring. Uh, I had a, a big thing with uh, Akbar. And, and at that time, I didn't know how to really work with him. Anyway, he came in and made save the match for me, but he was a great athlete. We were in Japan together as well. In fact, with Stan Hansen, I worked together a lot in Japan with Terry Clark and whatever. But, uh, but, I, but uh, Terry Gordy was a great athlete. Michael Hayes, not so much a wrestler, great talker. 
he led the group. Uh, he was a great entertainer, but uh, Buddy Roberts was a Buddy Roberts was a little wrestler, and we, we had some good matches together. So you worked all over the country for all these different promoters. Can you uh, rank the promoters for me, like who you enjoyed working for the most? <clears throat> Let's see. I looked for some big. There's one. He had the longest running independent show in the country in Fort Valley, Georgia. His name was Mike Money. Uh, we had we did a lot of a lot of spots together, a lot of spots against each other. I smashed cake in his face on his whatever his birthday. I gave him a cake in his face. So he just he was a great. He was just a great uh, talent. Uh, he probably had, he was just a big fan, actually, but he, he'd been around wrestling so long, he was real smart to the business. He had about, in his home, he had, I think, $150, $200 on the wall. He was such a fan. But Mike Money passed away, but uh, but he was, he was, he was good. Mike Money was a really good manager. How was Crockett to work for? Well, they they were like their own. There was a closed net. There was a closed net, and if you're outside, if you're outside of that, uh, outside of that circle, you're just there, you know, kind of. If you're in that circle, I guess it was probably good. Like with this, was in the circle. Uh, the kid from Texas uh, uh, was a lot of the guys in that circle that were good. He was. He took care of the boys, and he came in and bought out, uh, bought out WCW, hmm. or bought out Oli, and that's when uh, Dusty came and took back over again. Only took over from Barnett. We changed the name for Georgia Championship, Georgia Championship Wrestling to Championship Wrestling from Georgia when Only took over, which now he's in really bad health. And uh, but he was one of my mentors, and I and Koloff, and yeah, they helped me a lot through through wrestling. But in fact, Oli was the first one that hired me after I'd worked independent for like three years, and then I went to, to see Oli at uh, TBS, and he hired me to come in and uh, do TV on Saturdays and whatever else. But he got me started there in WCW or George Champion Wrestling. And uh, I had a little talent wrestling, you know, and then we kept working out and looked pretty good. So we always had some good matches there on the TVs. Now you mentioned you mentioned Oli. I've had we've had a lot of people, a lot of wrestlers come through the studio over the last few years. Many of them not big fans of Ole Anderson. Um how did you get along with Ole, and why did other wrestlers have such problems with him? Well, Ole liked tough guys. So if you weren't a tough guy, you were just a guy. You were just there. Uh, he and I had a chopping contest one, one Saturday morning or whatever day it was in the restaurant. And I chopped the starch out. He chopped me back. I chopped him. He chopped me. Bam, my chest was bleeding. I had the skin knocked off his shirt. He gave up. I wasn't gonna give up enough, and I got—I I earned my get my point. I earned my respect from Oli at that point. I never gave up. I just took whatever he gave me. And he, but he liked those tough. He loved Buzz Sawyer. Buzz Sawyer was a tough, crazy guy. But uh, Oli, Oli, uh, he'd tell you how it is. I got a job for you. I can do nothing but give you a first match. I can't do nothing but give you a second match. He didn't lead you on like, brother. I'm gonna take care of you and do all the stuff to stick a knife in your back at the same time. I'll make you a big superstar, but not actually gonna do it. But he'd tell you how it was. You know, you could use you, can't use you, or use you where where it was. You could either take it or leave it. But uh, he was straight up. I thought, and he made Tommy Rich who he was. I think. I think he really built Tommy when they cut Tommy's hair and 
I did all the scissor cutting and uh, all the scissors and stuff, matches. But I uh, only really made Tommy Richard, I think, a, a big superstar. Ole, could, Ole was a great wrestler. He and his brother both. Ole would get cut by the fans if he weren't careful. He would get so much heat just wrestling. If I teach it, well, I tried to teach the kids now, you, it, it ain't a job of a heel to cheat. It's a job of a heel to out-wrestle the good guy. Go out-wrestling. Not cheat. Don't cheat. And went out-wrestling. That's how you get That's how you get over the heel. You, you want to not be liked too much, but be respected for your wrestling ability. I don't like him much, but he's a heck of a wrestler. So that's how you is. And the baby folks, you want to get in the guys in the people's hearts and minds, and, and, and they'll, they'll follow you everywhere. I wish you get in their heart. But as a heel, though, they, you really want to get that respect from the fans. And uh, he had respect. Yeah, he did heat just quick, man. They, they were so talented. I mean, I, one of my first matches I was with Ole in the ring. He was pretty good. Very good. But, uh, but as a boss, I thought he was great. I thought he was good. So, Chick, here you are. You have this career. You're, you're a rock star. Things are good. Here comes along Vince McMahon Jr., who uh, is going to try to take over the wrestling world. What was it like, or where were you at at the time where Vince starts making his power plays, and what were the discussions going on between you and the boys? In 82, I came back from, uh, I don't know where I was, California, somewhere. I was back in Georgia in 82. And at the end of 82 and 83 began, that's when uh, the defensive man senior or whatever his name was passed away. I was working out with Paul Orndorff in the gym, at Doc's gym in, uh, in Atlanta. And he, uh, he said, Vince is fixing to take over the world. In 83, he's fixing to take over the world. He did. He came in and shut down everybody's TVs. All the, all the, all the territories that were all over the country. It's every every area every state had its own little territory generally, but uh, that big TV in, in New York came and shut all those folks down, put them out of business. And there was only one left, Atlanta and Heat. And then I think with Ted Turner wanted to see if he could get as big as, or you know, compete against him. So he bought WCW and found that he could compete with Vince at the end. Vince was just too strong. But Vince, say again, Vince was a wrestling man. Ted Turner wasn't. Yeah, so when, we worked out together. We'd go to a town and we'd be at the first thing we do. We all go to the gym together. I worked out with him at the gym in different towns and big style. I mean, huge arm, big chest. But he, that was the first thing. He, he made the guys go to the gym and if they got a little too, too much, if Hogan had an inch too much on his waist, he made him cut it off. He made him get that waist out. Really? He, he dictated, wow. he dictated his characters. He dictated his characters the way he wanted them to look. And he had the right to, he paid well. Were you angry at that point, though, when, like, Orndorff tells you that? And does Orndorff say to you, I'm going up to New York, you should come with me? Well, no, he didn't ask me to come with him, but uh, I think he, would, he just had started with him. And he and uh, Brian Blair had a lot of great matches at that time. Uh, I didn't get angry. No, I didn't, you know, I was probably too young to even understand what was fixing to, to transpire, I suppose. Because when I left the fire department and went full-time, you could go all, like, all these different, different territories and wrestle. And and because uh, I gave up a home and a job and a family, everything I loved, uh, everything job I loved immensely. I was able to do a lot as a fireman, nominated the fireman of the year, help him save people's lives. It was just incredible. I had the first exploitation tool in Georgia, but the, 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 working a, working an accident scene or a big fire was just, I mean, like being on stage. It was just, I, I just said, 
It was incredible. But I gave that up to go wrestling. Because uh, there were so many places to wrestle. And then all that came down. And and then I got with WCW or whatever in Atlanta. So it didn't, it didn't really uh, affect me that much. Until I left Atlanta, then there was no place to go particularly. One of my favorite shows. One of my favorite spots in your career is when you go to Memphis to work with uh, Jerry Jarrett and uh, Lawler. Um, how was your time in Memphis? The smartest guy in the business is probably Jerry Lawler. The smartest guy, um, business-wise, he took he took this he took that territory and uh, he took control of the TV in Memphis. So he was control of the territory. He kind of pushed Jerry Jarrett out by taking control. You know, great talent, uh, great smart man. Uh, Jerry was one of the best in the ring, out of the ring, talkers. Uh, he, he knew the business inside and out. He knew how to, he knew how to run it. Uh, I worked with him a few times, and uh, I was supposed to have a big run with him, but it was something came out and blew a knee out. Something happened. I never got my big run with, with Lawler. That was like making a big run with uh, with Hogan when he made a big run with Lawler. He's going to make money. He make all those top matches all over the country, uh, especially all up north when we made those tours every other week. Every, you know, every other week all up to, to I don't know, well, Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, all those places up that way. Uh, well, but, uh, let, let me ask you this. You, you mentioned you were supposed to have a run with Lawler. There's a, there's a video out there where Steve Kern tells a story where Lawler wanted him to break your leg, offered him money um, over, I guess, a female. Um, is that accurate? You know, I had a match with, with I had a I had my knee my knee was was busted, but I was still working on it. I had a I had a, had taped up with a knee brace on it and a knee pad and all this stuff. And we were in a match one time with with him, and uh, he ripped all that loose and started pounding on that knee. And then I heard the story about what Laura supposedly told him. So I don't know if that was true or not. Uh, it may be. I don't know what the whole thing was. It was, it was such a, a lot of confusion all around those matches there. So it could, it could be a true story. So I don't really know. I take it to be a true story. Well, you're a good-looking guy, I Chick. You could that. imagine that a lot of the women were ready to leave their boyfriends to hang out with Chick Donovan, right? Yeah, I don't want to go with all that mess, but uh, that, that that probably cost me uh, my million-dollar trips to, to Vince. In the long term, you see what good looks you know. get you, chick. You see what good looks cause. Sometimes you got to be ugly like me. Well, I don't think I think there was more stupidity than good looks. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not being strong enough. Not being. It's not saying I'm not get the, back to what I like teaching. Yeah, I didn't stay on point. I didn't. That the, the wrestling became secondary to everything else, and I just missed my point. Mm. And being being the rest of being secondary, I didn't really have between the years what I should what I could have had, and I could have been in a lot better better positions in the different territories I was in. But uh, you know, it was my fault. I, have, I can't blame anybody else for my career other than me. Uh, it's been a fruitful career. The Lord's let me go, got me on point now. In the last, I don't know how many years, bunches of years, I've been. The Lord's had me on point, and now I can teach the point because I know where the junk is. Junk's no good. I call it everything outside of the business. The street corners junk, whatever it is that, that, that takes your attention away from the point, or right from your education or anything else, uh, as uh, 
is no good. Maybe five minutes, but then it's over. And you miss that. You miss where you're supposed to be going in life. And it's, yeah. it's tough. But then if you get smart enough, then you can, you can change things and get back on point. I think. Well, that's what, that's what life's about, right? Learning, right? And so, you know, you're yes. learning until you're gone, right? It's all of right. us. It's always, it's always a learning process. You know, I value everything I do in wrestling because it's a never-ending process of learning. Get better and better. I, I value everything I do in a ring, every move, everything is going back in my head. If I've done this, Mike, if I've done this or whatever, uh, I try to make it, uh, when I go in, it's got to be good. I, got, I don't put anything out, anything less than good, anything less than great in my matches. That's my job. As an icon or at, at, at my level, at my experience, it's got to be good. As long as the guys can follow me, we do have a good one. But uh, now I have a different mindset and uh, able to stay on point and, uh, and go from here, to go from A to Z pretty quickly now. All right, Chick, I'm going like to make teaching, it. A, go ahead. Go ahead, Chick. I just, go like, ahead. I just like teaching the kids to stay on point. I, I had a lot of things, at, uh, different go to schools, do a lot of talks and churches and whatever. But as I said, the point depends on the age kids you're talking to. I think that sometimes the point is just your homework for the next day is the point right now. The next day of school is the point. The next graduate, the next class, graduating that year is, is the point you need to be on. Every, every day is another is staying on point. You got to stay at that point to get get the reward in. I try to really reinforce that over and over again because I know I know the I know the deal, and and uh, I've been I've lived the deal. Now I can teach the deal, you know, because I'm out of the deal. I'm in a, in a better place, not a better place now. But, well, uh, that's great. Yeah. So, Chick, I'm going to make a a bit of an assumption here. So, obviously, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm wrong a lot, but you had an incredible <laughs> physique. Um. What, did you assist yourself on that uh, physique with some supplements um, during your time in the pro wrestling world? And did well, you feel it was necessary to do that to stay relevant within the industry? No, I've probably had a – I remember in 1980, we were on the road so many miles, and Junkyard Dog gave me a shot of test, and uh, it helped me become more – not so lethargic, all, all the travel and stuff. This kind of, you know, kept me in a good place. And uh, so I've had, through the years, I've had a few shots of tests, but I've never actually what they call cycled, cycled uh, uh, a thing of steroids. I don't even know how, how to go about doing it, cycling, whatever they call it. And I know a little bit about it, but I don't know a whole lot about it, but I have had a shot of testosterone throughout the years. And a lot of guys my age get them every week from the doctors. I just I'm them. one of them right here, so that's uh, right. I'm one of them. So, so you know, it's good for your mental health as well as your physical health. I think. You know. Now you can overdo you can overdo anything. I'm back, I remember back uh, Billy Shaw, uh, what was it? Billy Graham, Billy Graham, superstar Billy Graham, the one of the big first muscle guys. He said, if you take a little bit, it's good. A whole bunch is better, but. That's his theory, but uh, yeah, a little long. I don't think it's gonna. It can't hurt. It just helps you maintain your own mental mental stability. And uh, as far as just jamming up a whole bunch of roads to get big, no, I just tried to work hard in the ring and, and, and uh, a lot of protein, a lot of stuff of that nature. Naturally gifted. Well, I don't know about that. It was just a lot of hard work because I was 120 pounds when I started. I had to gain 100 pounds right from the, from the first school I went to, to to even get a match. 
but I'd be working four full-time jobs in the uh, state. I was working four full-time jobs at the hospital. I was with a paramedic in one or ambulance service in one, uh, uh, mental hospital, shock treatments at another hospital. In another hospital, I was doing uh, IV therapy. In another one, I was just a jabroni. And all four, though, in the fire department the next day. So it was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I was down to about 120 pounds, but all four full-time jobs by $8.30 an hour, I think it was at that time. But paramedic work was like $1.90 an hour on the ambulance. But it's come a long way since then since we started that program. But uh, but I was down, like I said, 120 pounds, but I had to get that 100, I had to put 100 pounds, so I started eating massive, 20, 20 pounds of food at a time. I just eat massive amounts of food. I put that weight on it, trained, and worked out, worked hard, worked and worked and worked and worked and worked to train and train and train. Because ain't nobody can stop you and do what you want to do for yourself. You want it bad enough, you do whatever it takes to get done. So it just takes it work. Success is spelled W-O-R-K no matter what you do. If it's opening a gym like I did one day, I opened a, a big gym in town. Somebody said, good luck. I didn't know what they meant. It's a done deal. If it, it, you know, you got to finish. You got to have the finish before you get to start. If you don't know how to start, you get somebody, ask somebody, want to, how to get to, how do I get to the finish? But if you, but you got to get that finish and you work 24 hours a day, get to the finish. So it's all about the work you put in. It ain't about luck. It ain't about whatever. It's all about the work. It's just the work you put in and what you want out of it. And in my, in me now, I just try to lead by example. When I go in that dressing room, I want to be the best. I want to be the best there is in that dressing room. Not, not. Uh, I want to keep my humility. I'm not arrogant with it, but I still want to lead by example. I want the other kids to follow my example because they don't. It's a horrible place to be sometimes now. All the, you know, they're cutting up and carrying on. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't like church like it was when I first started. Like church, you weren't allowed to say anything as a as a rookie until you were spoken to. You sit and listen. You listen to the approach, talk, you know, and learn. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even, couldn't even speak until you were spoken to. Now it's just, wow. It's like matches now all over the place. But uh, it's lost a lot of its, uh, you know, the kids now don't know what wrestling is really about. It's about people's emotions. Wrestling is all about watching a movie and watching soap opera. is all about how they grab your emotions to make you laugh, cry, sit down, stand up. It's all about the emotions. You grab people's emotions at ringside, and that's how you work. You do what they tell you to do. You go out and do exactly what the people tell you, and you got their emotions with you. And then you make them cry. You make them stand up. You make them sit down when you want because you have them in your hand. And if you want to do something, you tell them not as a heel. Don't call me so-and-so. You know, then you tell them what to do, and they'll do it. And you just follow right along with them. A lot of guys want to go do all this crazy stuff. I don't know. Let's do what the people tell me. I got a lot. Of, I played music at church. I played bass at church. But when I first started playing, the one of the best advices I ever got was know my neck and listen to the music. Know my neck meaning where all the C sharps are, where all the F, you know, where all the chords are on the neck. If I hear an F in my ear on the music, I know my F is right here. Now, if I'm searching for an F, where is the F? F and the song's over. Now, if you learn how to in the ring and you're trying to do an arm drag and you're thinking about it, thinking about it, trying to go through all the motion, the matches probably almost should be over by the time you think about how to do. So you don't, you don't think about it. You just go do it. You practice and you work and you work and you work the way it just comes naturally. And then the people will tell you and you just do things that you just do things as you feel. You feel it and you do it. And then you know it's time, you know it's time to finish. Guys nowadays don't know what time, you don't know when it's over. They want to start another match. 
But when it's over, it's over. You can't go anymore. Now it's time to go home. When the match is over, you've done everything, you just go home. It don't matter. You may not have been alive. It doesn't matter. It's time to go home. And you got to you got to realize when it's time, or you just starting a whole another match over again, wasting wasting a whole. The people's gonna be sitting there next the hour, an hour turn. They've been sitting there, you know, since six o'clock that night. Probably you don't want them there at eleven, twelve o'clock at night, and they'll come back. You want them out in two hours. You want them out. So, first match should be five minutes. Second match should be ten, twelve minutes, and then the last match could be thirty minutes. But you get them out in two hours. So, that's you have to know how to wrestle to go into those time frames. So I love, I, go do all kind of I love the message you're sending, Chick. So I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you with a little bit of something though. Um, you mentioned superstar Graham earlier in your conversation, and some of the recent things that have gone on in the world in general. But we'll, we're talking pro wrestling, so let's talk in the pro wrestling world. Is the uh, GoFundMe pages by so many pro wrestlers out there that? seem to find themselves in either financial despair, health problems, etc. What is your thought process on, you know, wrestlers trying to get GoFundMe pages to pay for their medical bills? And I guess the second part of the question would be, does a Vince McMahon owe pro wrestlers that have retired and have these issues uh, compensation? Hmm. Well, when you sign your paycheck, on the back is a disclaimer. They can use your likeness or whatever, any way they want to use it. So you kind of sign your rights away. I don't know if this is anywhere we want to go, but it, should he re be responsible for your retirement? I think there should be retirement. I think maybe out of your payoff every 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 week, maybe take a little bit out, put it in, put it into a savings, into your savings, and add. They make it maybe add a, a, a match the amount you put in. And at the end, you'd have a little bit of retirement, you know, but maybe whatever years it would be in that territory. Uh, in that regard, I think you, you need to earn your own retirement, and he could, he could actually add to it. I think it should add to it some, but total responsible for your retirement, I don't know. I think you got to build your own retirement some kind of way through the years. And that's just being intelligent. You know, like I said, I missed my big money spots. I never even made a lot of big money, so just go from show to show, probably. But uh, I don't know if I answered all that question or not. But, uh, you know, I don't know if he's responsible or not. I think he's probably helped some guys that they were injured. Uh, I know he's facing lawsuits all for guys that, uh, uh, that uh, got a little, got a little act, extra activity outside of the ring. Uh, he's, he's paid a lot, of, a lot of dues for a lot of guys. And he's got a lot of heat from a lot of guys as well. But uh, anybody ever doing anything, I think Ray's going to get a lot of heat from somebody. But uh, every time I went to, every time I worked for him and uh, had a family with me, or whatever, he always put me in the VIP sitting and, uh, and, and he said, uh, whatever they want to do, don't worry about it. Just go do it. Don't, you don't put no pressure on you. WCW put all kind of pressure on you. you know? Put no pressure. You won't mess up. If you mess up, we go fix it. So don't worry about it. Just go do it. Uh, this is a shot right here. I say probably that's a shot from 1982, I think it was. I believe that's what it was, 82, 83, right there. I was back from uh, right before I went to, uh, went to uh, Pensacola. And then from Pensacola, I went to Dallas. And from Dallas, I went, uh, I don't know where I went, somewhere. 
I can't remember. Back to back, uh, back to Atlanta, I think it was. And Atlanta with Japan, made Japan with uh, uh, with some of the guys from there. With Stan Hansen, particularly. Stan Hansen got me booked in Japan. And then Rocky Johnson booked me in Hawaii, so I was all over the places. You've seen it all, man. You've seen it all. You are I've the great seen a lot, yeah, I've, seen, I've seen a lot, you know. Uh, it's been a good ride. It's been a bad ride. Now, I think I think through a lot of fan mail I've gotten, it, I think the time I've put in, the hard work I've put in is all worth worthwhile because uh, of the positive, the, the positive uh, vibes I've gotten back through those letters and stuff that I get back from people. Make you feel like your your hard work has been been worthwhile. That uh, you've really been able to help somebody with with your hard work. Cause that's all we want to do is help somebody with what we work. You know, it's my it's my job to it's my job to to satisfy the fans. To uh, my job to pay back their adulation. I guess you call it. Well, it's just my job. I'm trying to take it seriously. Let me take the opportunity to give you your flowers. Um, as a wrestling fan, the great Chick Donovan is um, embedded in my mind as a fan and many of us. You were an incredible talent. You meant everything to uh, every wrestling fan. Everybody knew who Chick Donovan was. Um, and I thank you for being part of this industry, which so many people love. And you being part of it has help wrestling grow to the heights that it has achieved right now in 2024. So thank you, Chick Donovan. You're welcome. I just wish I could have been a little smarter through the years. I could have, I could have put, probably left a lot more behind. Uh, but you got people like Flair and those guys that just uh, that I looked up to. Stan Hansen I looked up to and Ole and all those guys. Ivan Koloff really helped me a lot, but uh, I appreciate all those good words, and but I had some good. I was very fortunate to be able to work with the greats from Harley to, to Flair to, to Russell Two, uh, the guy who did the first. I took the first uh, superplex off the top rope. Uh, worked with all those guys. Worked with so many top guys because I was always doing them favors in the ring. But I was able to work all those different styles and able to to, to feel with the great how the greats did what they did. And it was a it was a tremendous tremendous experience I think through the years. Now I, I can work those styles. I can take the styles I learned from them and I can apply apply to myself now. Uh, my head's in a good spot now. Where I right, Chick. thirty years ago. Yes. Here's a final question for you. What is Chick Donovan's Mount Rushmore of professional wrestlers? I'm not sure exactly the four, you know, the, the four top people. I, I think the four of the top, not just a wrestler, just the whole package, right? Wrestler. Well, I, well, I think as far as wrestlers go, I'd have to put Stan Hansen there. I'd have to put Paul Orndorff there. He's passed away. Ricky Steamboat, another Christian guy. Uh, we have a pack together. I mean, we, we have some good matches. Uh, and uh, next would be passed away is Brad Armstrong. Brad Armstrong. Uh, That's a great yeah, name you brought up. The Armstrong family. They were, they how, were great. How come Brad never achieved the success that I thought he should have? Oh. 
you know, I don't know. He was probably one of the best ever in the ring. I had one of his first matches back in 79, 8, whatever it was. Uh, he didn't achieve the success. I don't know why he never got Vince ever picked him up. Maybe, maybe because of his size. Vince in WWE or WWF was like those kind of big guys. And he was a little smaller. Not that he wasn't big enough or whatever he did. He had a great physique. He's an incredible athlete, but I don't know why he didn't go. Maybe he had some against the Myrick family. You know, I mean, against the uh, against Bob and him. I, I don't know if there was mm. heat there or not. But uh, he was one of the best ever in the ring. This, this guy, that kid right there, we just saw him on TV. He was incredible. But he died at 53. Too young. Yeah. Incredible talent. Chick. Thanks again for joining Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. What an honor it is to have you on on the show. It was on my bucket list, so you made my dream come true. You started off my 2024 with a, a great start. Thank you, sir. Okay, have I got a minute to leave us with something? Yeah. I'd like to leave us with a word of wisdom from the Lord. If, if, if any of those any of you fans out there or people out there are having a problem with, with finance, you could have a problem with a lot of different stuff. Let's raise your hands to that screen and let's just say, let's give the, give the Lord a good prayer. Say, Father, I'm a sinner. I want, I believe in you, Lord. I believe in you, Jesus. I want Jesus to come in my heart, forgive my sin, and save my soul. One more time. If, you, if you've got troubles in your, in your life, just put your hand up on that TV or wherever you may be, and your hand up to the, to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I'm a sinner. I believe in you, Lord. I want you to come in my heart, forgive my sins, and save my soul. If you do that, Lord, you'll be in the book of Lamb's life from now Amen, Chick Donovan. Amen. Thanks again. Thank you. I hope to talk to you Thank soon. you very much for having me. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes, sir. All right, Abe, the great Chick Donovan, man. What'd you think? That dude's hair is insane. That's like the, the best hair I've ever seen. <laughs> He's got some great hair man oh my god incredible bucket list for me like i said chick donovan meant the world to me that guy that guy rocked man he was and great dude was i can't great. believe he didn't take any juice to what a, the guy was built like a brick shit house. i know I'm, I'm i'm over here looking up all these like pictures i'm like you know dude's fucking jacked you know that's <laughs> crazy i want to thank everybody for joining us on our first 2012 actually second because ahmad was on the first um I want to thank everybody out there for joining us. Benny, Phil, Luce, Yard Ape, uh, Hayes Machine, the First Lady, Miss Maria Davis in the house. Um, see who else we got here. If I'm missing anybody, B40, love you, man. Always good to see you. Stephen Brock, how are you? Um, let me see anybody else. Uh, Roland Bischoff. Uh, let me see anybody else. Anyway, I'm running through it. Uh, next week, we have in studio Blake Bulletproof Troop. He will be in studio. Um, I think we're going to have – got to cover that with you. I think we're going to have a 6 o'clock show, Abe, on Thursday. You're good. And then at 9 o'clock, I have the astound author of Monster Mirror, Mr. Michael A. Capelli, Ph.D., 100 Hours with David Berkowitz. If the younger crew out there doesn't realize who David Berkowitz was or is, he's still alive, was the son of Sam who ravaged 
New York State, especially the city, for over a year. Um, it was called the Summer of Sam. So that's going to be a very, very interesting interview as we go a little off wrestling talk topic. I want to thank Ahmad Johnson for joining us in the earlier show. Tony Norris is one incredible human being, and I will forever be not a, just a fan of his, but um, uh, a supporter and a friend of his. And then I want to thank Chick Donovan, who is an incredible talent, is 76 years old, still wrestling. It is insane. And you know what? I actually want him to wear a tank top because the guy looks like a beast. And uh, I want to thank the crew from The 30 who put on another wonderful show. Um, and again, we want to thank you guys for supporting the Monty and the Faro channel. Um, hoping to have more shows in 2024. We look forward to seeing you. And let's not forget the following week, we have the first time ever the Fantastics will be on our channel. The Fantastics. Oh, my God. The fabulous ones. I can't believe I said fantastic. The fabulous ones, Steve Kern, uh, will be here, and it, it'll be wonderful. Um, anyway, that's it. Have a good one. God bless. Talk to you soon.